Anybody gotta love the genius of Dr. Seuss, huh? <laughs> Even in a children's book, he's able to identify something that's true about every one of us in this room. And that's all of us have green pants with no one inside of them. <laughs> All of us have things that we actually are afraid of, and yet there's no real reason to be afraid of them. In fact, there might actually be a friendship waiting on the other side, and yet fear is somehow this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this word today, like a smokescreen that keeps us from ever getting to that reality. And we all had of them. Um, we have lots of green pants. For me, one of them was sushi. <laughs> Sushi was something that I was absolutely afraid of. Anybody else? Some of you are afraid of sushi right now. It wasn't until I moved to Salt Lake, because you know Salt Lake has the best sushi around, that I actually had sushi for the first time. And it was crazy, because I don't know what I feared would happen in my mouth once I ate it, but man, I almost missed out on one of the most absolute wonderful foods on the planet. Amen? All right, a lot of sushi lovers. But there's lots of different things like that in my life where I could have missed out on something. Skydiving, right? Why? Because there was a veil, there was a smokescreen, a fear that I could actually lose my life. But I broke through that and I got to experience the unbelievable glory. And it is unbelievable to be in absolute peace at such a high level. It's an amazing experience. Another time where I almost had a green pant experience is when I first met Susie at a conference in New Mexico and I decided I thought I might want to pursue this girl and the first time I called her, I got the answering machine and on it she said, hey, if this is Dougie, I'll be home at 10. So I slammed down the phone. And I remember thinking, I had a fear, why would I call her back? Because I had a fear that I would look like a fool. But if I hadn't busted through that fear, I would have never found the glory of the love of my life. And that's actually very interesting to think about. If I wouldn't have picked up that phone again and found out who Dougie was. <laughs> All right? So, I'm moving across the country to start K2. Totally had a fear. 30 people are coming to me. What if this whole thing's a failure? You don't know what's going to happen. And yet we could have stayed safe in, 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 Ute, in Michigan, but we didn't, and we moved out here. You guys, all the time, I just wonder for you this morning, what glorious things are awaiting you, and yet at this point right now, you actually have a fear that's inhibiting you from taking the step of experiencing it. Here's the definition of fear. It's an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief, and now this is going to be a really important part for our whole part of the message. Listen to this definition. Fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain, or a threat. And so we respond to fear in three different ways. Sometimes we fight it, sometimes we flee it, and sometimes we just freeze. And so I think it's so interesting, and if you don't know this, if you're new to Christianity or the Bible, God says more than anything else in the Bible, the greatest command he says in, new, in number is don't be afraid. He has to tell us, so I think he understands human nature pretty well. He says, don't fight me. Don't run away from me. And don't get paralyzed. Don't limit yourself and then stop coming with me. And I just want to tell you, man, I, I've been a Christian uh, since I was 11. Wow, that's 40 years now. And, I, and here's what I've realized, is almost every time that God has asked me to do something, 
it is immediately followed by this emotion of fear. Almost every single time. And that's what I want to address today. There's a lot of different fears. I want to figure out and help all of us figure out why is it that when God asks you and me to do something, the first thing that happens is we feel fear. And that's why we're going to talk about that the other side of fear is glory. All right? So here's what I know. God knows you today. One of my favorite things about every Sunday is just looking out at you and here's the reality. God knows you and he loves you. And he does want you to experience him. And so, but he also knows what you're afraid of. All right? So let's pray. Let's just take a moment right now. And would you open your heart to him and allow him to speak to you, to reveal to you what this is. I would love to walk out of here today with the strength and the courage that God could give us so we could face these fears, break through them, and discover the beauty that's on the other side. All right? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this season of Christmas, for this reminder for us to remember again that you love the world so much that you gave us your son. Lord, you are here today and you love every person that's in this room. And I just ask right now that you would prepare our hearts to hear from you. Really, God, I'm asking in the name of Jesus, would your word be alive and active today? Would it penetrate right to our soul? Would it help us to realize, what am I believing that's not true about you? What am I believing that's causing these fears that inhibit me from experiencing the life that God has for me? Lord, would you come and be gracious to each person and come to us as a church and help us to be a church that will not be one that's bound by fear. And we pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you want to grab your Bibles, we're going Old Testament today, so you can open up to the book of Exodus, second book in the Bible. Um, you can also grab your phone, obviously, if you want to pull that up. Let me get a little bit of a background of the story. It's a very, very famous story, but uh, just to make sure we're all on the same page, I do believe that this is probably the absolute most important moment in Israel history. It's the one that they go back to over and over and over again. After you go through Exodus, you read through the, all the rest of Scripture, especially the Psalms, when they're trying to encourage each other, they always go back and they remember this event that we're going to look at today. The slave, they were slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years. God heard their cry, and he sends Moses to tell Pharaoh to let his people go. Pharaoh won't let him go. So God miraculously sends these 10 plagues, the last one being the Passover, where, the late, where people in, if, uh, lost their firstborn unless they had put the blood of a lamb over their door, doorpost. And if they put the blood of the lamb over their doorpost, their, door, their doorpost, then when the angel of death flew over, those people, their firstborn was saved. When most of Egypt lost their firstborn, Pharaoh finally said, okay, you guys, you're out of here. Scripture tells us finally 600,000 men plus women and children. So that'd be, you add that all together, man, that's a, that's a lot of people. And they began the Exodus. All right? So that's where we're at. Exodus chapter 14. And the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites 
to turn back and encamp near Pihakurath, between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Abel Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. And sure enough, it goes on to say that Pharaoh was talking to his men. He says, what have we done letting all these Israelite slaves get away? So he gathers his whole army, all of his horses, his chariots, his charioteers, and his troops. And you need to understand, this is Egypt, this is Pharaoh. This is super power. And they're all coming after this one and a half million Israelites who are busting through the desert, who God just said, okay, now what I want you to do is I want you to turn around, I want you to come back, and I want you to camp by the sea so you can't move. (laughs) Crazy story. So this whole army is coming upon them, and then we get to verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And then Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. I love that. Come on, let's go. Raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Now here's what, can I just say real quick, this is the problem, most of us know this story. You gotta put yourself in Moses' shoes here. Come on man, Pharaoh and the Egyptians are on their tail and here's God's plan. Raise your hands and let the water part. The waters don't part when I raise my hands, right? I mean, this is crazy stuff that God was asking them to do. But God says, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that when they go in after them, and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. All right? Let's look at this. Here's, here's, I've got three things I want to show you from this passage that I think can help us to understand how you and I can begin to conquer the fear that rises up when God asks us to do something. Here's number one. God wants people to see his glory. He wants you to see his glory. What is glory? Glory, just by the, the, the word, it's honor, it's great beauty, it's power, it's majesty, it's splendor, it's magnificence. That's what glory is. And so God is saying, I want you to see my power. I want you to see how magnificent I am. I want you to see how good I am. I want you to see how much I care for you. 
His glory, it's his love, his peace, his joy, his strength, his wisdom. And his glory, you guys, it's way better than anything else there is. But here's the question. Why does God want to gain glory? Here's the reason. It's because he wants people to know him. He wants people to understand who he really is so that he can have relationship with people. It's crazy, you guys. God is the creator. And God is the one. He is the very source of life. Every human being is created for God. And yet, almost every being, human being, our hearts are bent away from God. So we're all running away from him. And so God was like, how in the world can I get you to actually want to be in relationship with me? And he goes, the only way that's going to happen is I need to show you my glory. I need to show you how good I am. I need to show you how much I love you. I need to show you that I am more powerful than anything else in the world. And God knows this. If you can see his glory, then you may actually put your trust in him. And once you put your trust in him, then the relationship with God can begin. So God wants everyone to see his glory, but the reason he wants, he doesn't want to like flaunt himself, he wants to draw humanity to himself. Now there's two different groups of people that God wants to see his glory. In Exodus 14, 4, he says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them, but I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. And look at this, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. Here's what we need to understand. God wants everyone, everyone to see his glory and to know that he is God. Can I just tell you, man, that's why K2, the church, is here. If you're part of this church, and I, and I say this a lot because it's true, the 30 of us who moved out here, we did not move out here so we could hang out in Utah. We could have hung out anywhere. The only reason we came here is because we know, I mean, seriously, we have a deep conviction from the scripture that God wants every person to be able to see his glory so that we can be in relationship with them. And so that's why we're here as a church. If you're visiting, if you're questioning who God is, we want to invite you. We want to invite everyone to discover that there really is an adventure that can be yours when you follow God. So, at first, he wants the Egyptians to know who he is. But now let me just talk to you Christians. All of you who would say, if somebody asks you, hey, do you believe in Jesus? And you say, yes. He wants you to see his glory. The Israelites were God's people, but their trust in him was super small. And here's what I, here's what I know. A lot of you in here, you do. You actually do believe in God and you believe in Jesus Christ. But can we just be honest? The truth is your trust in him is really small. And God wants you to see his glory because when you see his glory, it actually strengthens your faith. I say this a lot, but there's a lot of things that we can know about God because it says it in the Bible, but the truth is we don't believe it. And when we don't believe it, we don't see it. Look at Exodus 14, 31 says this. This is the end of the chapter. When the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and they put their trust in him and in Moses. 
Here's, here's what's so cool, you guys. God wants you to see his glory. Because when you see his glory, it'll help you put your trust in him. And that will lead to a real, actual, vibrant relationship with God. I love in 15, the next chapter, verse 2, it's a song. Sorry, so after, and we're going to worship at the end. People just sang songs, man, to God when he did great stuff. In verse 2, here's what they sang. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. Can I just ask you, do you feel that this morning? Do you feel like God is your strength? Is he your defense? Has he become your salvation? Is he your God? Here's what I know after 40 years of walking with Jesus. It never becomes real and personable until you see it. And God wants you to see his glory. Okay? How does this work? Number two. God's glory is seen when people follow him. God's glory is seen when people follow him. Erwin McManus, one of my favorite pastors in Southern California, he says this, there is so much that God wants to do that can be seen only after we begin to do it. There's so much that God wants to do. And this is true because Jesus told us, my father's always at work and I too am working. You guys, God is working right now. But I think Erwin is right. There's so much that God wants to do, but it can't be seen until we begin to do it. Here's what's true, man, with God. If you step out in faith and follow him, you will step in to God. And you'll finally know him. Exodus 14, 21, 22. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, right? <laughs> so God, God's like, here's how, here's how this is going to work, Moses. <laughs> no, don't battle these guys. Just raise your hands. See, and this is, I mean, God's going to ask you to do some crazy stuff. And Moses did it, though. He did what God asked him to do. He stretched out his hand over the sea, and look what happened. And all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind, and he turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through. <laughs> so again, you guys, we know this story too bad. Picture this. The Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and a wall of water on their left. Would you not be freaking out? <laughs> I mean, so many of us would be standing on the edge going, I, could, could, I'm not, I, look, I don't want to go there, but I'm not staying here. I mean, what do you do? They followed God. They followed him. And because they followed him, they had to go through something that they had never seen before with water of walls of water on both sides. Now let me tell you this again. We have the stories in the Bible. You know why we have great stories in the Bible? Because they were people who followed God. And I always wonder, how many stories didn't get in the Bible because people said, I ain't doing that. There's no way. Can I ask you a question? Do you ever wonder why you don't see the glory of God? Do you ever wonder why we struggle to believe in him so deeply? I think one of the reasons is because God wants you to see his glory. He wants you to have deep faith in him. But when he calls us out, we oftentimes don't follow him. 
Here's what Jesus said in John 11:40. He says, Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? If you believe, you'll see it. But here's the problem, you guys. Believe, that word, <clears throat> for us in our Western culture, we hear that word and we immediately think in our head. And we go, well, I believe in God. Well, I believe in Jesus. And I think that's why James in the Bible had to say, well, I know the demons believe in Jesus too. <laughs> and then he's the one who helped us to understand that when you believe, true belief means you actually trust him. And so when you trust him, you actually do what he says. That's actually faith. You can say you believe, but if you don't walk through the Red Sea when he tells you to, you actually don't trust him. So the only way, what God is saying here is if you want to see the glory of God, the glory is only seen when people actually follow me. That's what faith is. You actually have to step out and trust him. Lucy Shaw, who's an author and a poet, she said this, faith is really taking the risk of moving when God calls me into the realm of the unknown and unseen and only dimly understood. It means that I may have to give up my closely held control of my life and destiny, my fate and my future, a thought alarming enough to keep some of us from moving at all. So God wants us to see his glory, but his glory is seen when people actually move, as she calls it, into the realm of the unknown and the unseen and the dimly understood. And I just want to tell you, man, <clears throat> I have. I've seen God's glory. I wouldn't be up here, right? There's no way I would be giving my whole life to this thing if I hadn't seen his glory. But one of the things I know is that every time God has asked me to do something, there is this immediate sense of fear that rises up. So I have my stories. I share them here all the time. Of the fact I have seen him. I have experienced him. And it has strengthened my faith and my resolve to follow him all the days of my life. But I also want to be super honest with you, man. It haunts me to think of how many moments of glory I've missed because I didn't say yes to him or follow him. Anybody else relate to that? And I just wonder, and this is what we got to figure out. If God wants us to see his glory, and his glory happens, as Jesus said, if you believe, you'll see it. If you follow me, you're going to see my glory. Then why don't we see it? And here's our, our main point for today. And that is that fear, I believe, is the smokescreen to God's glory. But here's what we need to understand. This is so important. It's only a smokescreen. So I'm reading this book right now on leadership. These two Navy SEALs um, have written called Extreme Ownership. And it's, it's a great book because every chapter they share a story of when they were over in Iraq. So it's super intense. And, and I can't tell you how many times they'll just say, as the war was going on, they'd pull out one of these, you know, smoke bombs. they throw it in and, and put up a smoke screen because once the smoke screen was there, then you couldn't move because you couldn't see. And here's what I want to tell you, man. God wants you to see his glory. And so immediately, as soon as he asks you to do something, and if you do it, you're going to see God's glory. You're going to see God's stuff get done. You know what the enemy does? Immediately, he throws a smoke screen in front of you, and, and it's called fear. Because he doesn't want you to move. And so Exodus 14, 13, again, Moses answered the people, don't be afraid, you guys. Stand firm. And what does he say? 
and you will what? You'll see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. And when they saw his deliverance, they believed in him and they found out by experience, oh my goodness, our God is more powerful than anything. Our God is faithful to do what he says he'll do. And so their faith grew. But our problem is many times we don't stand firm. And as soon as the fear rises up, instead of hanging in there with God, we bolt and we go to other stuff to kind of keep ourselves comfortable and safe. So John 11:40, Jesus said, I tell you that if you believe, you will what? See the glory of God. But again, we often don't believe, which means we don't trust him, which means we don't actually follow him. And we get paralyzed. And this is what's been so frustrating to me is I can't tell you how many times, God, I know God's been prompting me to do something and that fear will rise up within me and I buy the fear and I get paralyzed and I don't do what God wants me to do and I go, oh my God, I'm missing out on the glory of God. And so are you. And here's the other thing, and so is the world. And God wants the world to see his glory, but the only way they're gonna see his glory is when his people do what he asked them to do. And then we're gonna see the glory. So God has to tell us, here's, here's my flow of thought. So God has to tell us, more than anything else, don't be afraid. As soon as he asks us to do something, don't be afraid. And here, look at this crazy verse. 2 Timothy 1.7. And God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, okay, God has to tell me to not be afraid more than anything else, and he gives me a spirit that is not one of fear. So if I'm a Christian, and God has filled me with his spirit, and his spirit has no fear, and yet I'm afraid, then where is that fear coming from? Where does it come from? I believe, and this is what hit me a couple months ago. Okay, sorry, I'm hitting a dead horse here, but follow me. Every time God asks us to move, I believe our enemy immediately goes to work. And Satan's counterattack to God moving to us is to lie to us. It's to get us to believe something different than what God is telling us. I don't know if you saw the movie After Earth. I didn't see it, but I saw the trailer and I remembered this, this quote hit me so powerfully. Here's what the quote in the, uh, the trailer said. Fear is not real. It is a product of thoughts you create. Write that one down. Fear is not real. It is a product of thoughts you create. And then here's what we need to understand. Fear isn't real. It is a product of thoughts that our enemy creates. And here's the truth. Jesus told us we have an enemy and that he does not want God's glory to be seen. He doesn't want your faith to increase. He doesn't want God's stuff to get done. He doesn't want people who don't believe in him to see the glory of God so that they'll come to him and, put a, and have a relationship with him. He doesn't want that. So what does he do? Jesus told us the number one thing our spiritual enemy does is get us to believe a lie. He puts up this smokescreen called fear. 
and he does it by getting us to believe something that isn't true. Okay? Look at John 8, 44. Jesus says, you belong to your father, the devil. Now he's going to describe the devil to us. He says, you want to carry out his desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and a father of all lies. So I tell you, you know what's interesting? If you read any book on spiritual warfare, almost all of the contents of that book will be that it's the battle is right here in our head. So what does Satan do? His lies produce beliefs that are not true about God. We start to believe things that aren't true about God, things that are not true about ourselves, things are not tr that are not true about the people around us, <laughs> things that are not true about the situation. You know what's crazy? Is it's unbelievable how many times we'll start thinking things about other people, about their intentions, about why they did that, and most of the time they're never true. <laughs> But we don't ever find out if they were true because we're buying the lie that they don't like us, that they're against us. And the truth is they just had a really bad day and happened to ignore you. <laughs> but we buy his lies. And then we buy his lies. It's crazy. We, as soon as God wants us to do something, it's unbelievable how many times we'll go down the, down the road to worst case scenario town. We immediately think of everything bad that could possibly happen. Listen to this. What is Fear. It's an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain, or even a threat. When God asks you to do something, why don't you do it? Most of us don't do it because we're afraid. Why are we afraid? By this definition, we have an unpleasant emotion that's caused by a belief that the one who's asking us to do it is dangerous, who's going to cause us pain, and he's a threat. Do you guys understand this? That's how Satan keeps us from experiencing the glory of God. Now, most of us sitting here, we go, I don't believe that about God. Oh, yes, you do. We all do. Because if we didn't, we would do everything that God was asking us to do. But instead, he says things that he, he, he leads us and we get all caught up that he's not going to be faithful, that he's not going to be good, that he's not going to love us. Right? So what does God say? And this is so interesting. Through all the scripture, every time he tells us don't be afraid, he gives us one main reason why we shouldn't be afraid. Okay? Here it is in Deuteronomy 31. It says, Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you, and he will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid, and do not be discouraged. You know what God's answer is, you guys? If I ask you to do something, here's what you can know. I'm actually going to go before you. How cool is that? 
He's actually going to go into the situation before you even get there. And then when you get into the situation, he goes, and then I'm going to be with you. And you know what? So either we don't believe that he's going to be with us, that somehow we buy the lie, man, no, this is all on me. I have to be able to do this on my own. Or if we, if we do believe that God's going to be with us, we don't believe that he's going to come through. We don't believe that he's going to be faithful. We don't believe that he's going to love us in the midst of it. And so somehow we start buying these lies. Tim Keller, pastor in New York, he said this, being afraid is a refusal to honor God or to see him for who he is. This is what we got to own, you guys. When we're afraid and we don't move, here's another thing he said, when you're afraid, you forget the glory of God and you give more weight to the other things than him. God becomes small and all these other things that Satan tells us become big. That's what fear is. And I want to tell you, man, when I finally realized this, it just started ticking me off, but it also kind of inspired me. Because I'm like, wait a second. You mean every time God asks me to do something and fear rises up within me, it's just a smoke screen? It's not even real? Because that's what a lie is, right? A lie is not true. It's not true that God isn't going to be with you. It's not true that he isn't going to be faithful. It's not true that he's not more powerful. It's not true that he isn't sovereign over things. That's what's true. And Satan throws this big lie in front of us and it paralyzes us and we don't move with God and we don't see his glory and either does the rest of the world. And I'll tell you what, I don't know about you, but I just want to go, if that's all it is is a smokescreen, I'm going through it then. See, I still like my t-shirt. Fear's a liar! <laughs> Christian Solario, my assistant, he had the shirt on. I'm like, I need one of those. <laughs> because this is what we have to believe. If fear is not, if the spirit that we've received is not a spirit of fear, then you need to know that when God's moving and fear rises up within you, it's the enemy trying to inhibit you from experiencing the glory of God. And I want to tell you, let's bust through it and let's see more Red Seas part. Let's see God's glory. Let's deepen our faith because we see the work of God and let's encourage the rest of the world that he is real so that they can come to him. So let me just give you, let me equip you now, okay, with three steps, okay, three action steps that you and I can take that will help us bust through this lie of fear, this smoke spreading of fear, and experience the glory of God, okay? They come from Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. What's God's promise? He goes, I'm with you. The God of peace, you guys, can be with you. There's three things you gotta do. Number one is this. You have to think about these things. 
Okay? Tim Keller as well, when I was listening to one of his messages, he said, if all of this fear is coming up because Satan's lying to us and we're, getting, we're starting to believe things that aren't true about God, then you know what we have to do? Then you've got to think about what is true, right? Whatever is true. And so here's what I'm going to tell you, man. And I've been telling you this for 12 years. I'm going to hammer this as much as I can. You, the amount of time that you personally spend in the Bible, the amount of time you spend in the Scripture, it's the word of truth. You read these stories, and again, they show you this is how human, frail, broken human beings like you and me, stirred up by the grace of God, they received enough courage to have faith and then they got to see that God was who he is. The only way that you can actually know who God really is, he goes, look at me in the Bible. So you have to think about these things. So I can't encourage you enough, man. If, if you're struggling in your faith and you're filled with fear, then you have to battle it right here. So don't miss on Sunday mornings, right? Read your scriptures every single day. They're, the Bible says it's a, they're alive and active. It is the most important thing I can do is get God's word inside of me to help me know what is true. I didn't tell the first services. Here's another thing I do that helps me so much. And that is sometimes I'll just go take a walk, a long walk at night, and I'll remember what God has done for me. I'll think about what God has done for me. See, that's what the Israelites did. They went back and they remembered, this is who our God is. And it strengthened them when they were doubting. You guys, we're going to celebrate Christmas. This is what we need to think about. God loves you. The scriptures say, if God didn't spare his own son, but gave him freely to you, how will he not graciously give you all things? Do you believe that? Okay, so number one, you've got to think about what is true. Number two, Paul says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me. Here's the second thing you got to do. Hang out with people who walk by faith. Hang out with people who walk by faith. What was Paul doing? Paul was a maniac, man. This guy had reckless faith in Jesus Christ. He would do whatever God wanted him to do. So what he told these Philippians, he says, hey, what did you see me do? What did you hear from me? He goes, whatever you saw from me. So you've got to be in relationship with other people who are recklessly following God. I just want to tell you, man. Okay, so I've been walking with him for 40 years. I'll be honest with you. I try to walk recklessly in my faith. But man, there are times when I have huge doubts. Fears rise up, fears rise up within me just like anybody else. And one of the best things I can do is go hang out with somebody else who's reckless in their faith. And you know what happens? It just blows on the embers of my heart. Just a couple weeks ago, I got to go to Brazil um, with Compassion International and Stadia, a church planning organization. And there were 14 other pastors there. And there were two guys who got about 10, 15 years on me. And each night, we just sat and we allowed them to just speak into our lives. I listened to their stories, and I'm like, this is reckless faith. And again, just by hanging out with them, it fired me up. Can I ask you a question? Who do you hang out with that's walking recklessly in faith with God? Who's blowing on the embers of your soul? 
Because I can tell you this right now, man. If you're a little burning ember and you're hanging outside here, you know what happens to those embers, don't you? They eventually just start to fade away. You got to get next to other people who are hot in their faith for Christ. So I tell you right now, man, if you're walking this journey alone, you were never created to do so. So we have Life Together groups here that meet every night of the week all over the valley so we can connect with each other, so we can spur each other on, so we can encourage each other. And I want to tell you, man, if you're somebody who's walking recklessly in faith with God, make sure you're rubbing next to other people and helping them to catch on fire too, okay? Number one, think about what is true. Number two, hang out with people who walk by faith. Oh, here's another way you can hang out with people who walk by faith. Read books, man. (laughs) Crazy people who walk with Jesus, they write stuff about it. You can actually hang out with some of the craziest people in the world with a book and just let their story inspire you, okay? All right, last one. Think about it. Hang out with people. And then the third thing Paul says, whatever you heard or learned or received or heard from me, put it into practice. Put it into practice. Put it into practice. What's he saying? He's saying the same thing Jesus said. You come on Sunday morning, you hear his word, He goes, but if you my hear, if Jesus said this, if you hear my word and you don't put it into practice. In other words, if you hear my word, but you don't follow me. He goes, you're like a foolish person who builds your house on the sand. The hard things of life are going to come and you're going to crash and burn. But if you put my words into practice, if you follow me, you know what's going to happen? you're going to see my glory. And then when the storms of life come, you're going to have faith. It's going to be strong and you will uphold it. You guys, this is so huge. God wants you to see his glory, but his glory is only seen by those who follow him. Think about it. Do the work. Battle in your mind. Think about what is true about God. Let him tell you what is true and fight the lies of the enemy. Hang out with people who are being reckless in their faith and then do what they do. Walk by faith. And then you know what he says? This is so cool. And the God of peace will be with you. What's God's answer? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Why? God, I'm afraid. Don't be afraid. Why? Because I'm with you. But here's how we get with him. You do what he says, and the God of peace will be with you. Is he with you? Is the God of peace with you? Are you strong in your core? Are you strong and courageous, like Moses told Joshua to be? Are you afraid and discouraged? You know what's interesting? Right before that it said, and God will give you his peace. But now he's saying, no, I'm actually going to be with you. When you step out and follow God, you step in to him and you'll know him. Come on, you guys. The glory of God is waiting, every one of us, because he wants you to see it. And the world needs to see that there's a living God who's making a difference. But the only way they're going to see that is if us in this room follow him. And I'm sick and tired of an enemy 
who's paralyzing us and keeping us from experiencing the glory of God. Let's fight him together, okay? So here's what we're going to do. Bane, come on up. You know, worship, isn't it interesting that right after, the very thing right after, Moses led the Israelites through the Red Sea, the very next chapter is a song. <laughs> it's a song. And here's one of the ways, you guys, and this is a powerful way that you can think about things that are true. Every song, these songs we're going to sing, when I've done them first service, they're so powerful. The words are going to declare what is true about God. So that's why we worship, because it gives you a chance to declare what is true, to think about what is true about God. But what's interesting is music, again, moves to the soul. And I think that's why God gave us this. Because at the same time you're going to think about what is true, music moves it and connects it to your heart and it helps you believe it. So that's why we're going to worship here. This is important time for you. If you're scared right now, if you've been paralyzed, if you haven't been following God, I believe these songs can be a way for you to get into his presence, declare what is truth, say what is right about God. And then secondly, we're going to take our offering while we do. And you know what's interesting? This is definitely one of the lies of the enemy. Because God just said, made it really clear. Hey, do you guys all know this? He makes this really clear. Everything you have, he's given you. Everything you have is actually God's. And then he asks you to be a steward of his resource. So out of God's goodness, he says, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to give me just one. I gave you 10. I just want you to give me one back because that'll be the best thing for your heart. It'll keep you from being all about yourself and it'll help you to trust me. But you know what's so funny? As soon as God says, hey, give me 10% of whatever I give you back. <laughs> Fear. <laughs> so what happens? What's happening? We're buying the lie of the end. What's the enemy saying? If you give up that money, you're not going to be satisfied. You won't have as much pleasure. You won't be blessed. And that's just the opposite. God's going, no, test me in this. You just give me one back. That's what I'm asking you to do. Fight the fear. Go through the smoke screen and trust him. And God says, when you do, you'll see my glory. And I will bless you. All right? That's why we're taking this offering. So let's stand together. Let's give our offering to God. And let's give him our worship. And let's connect our heart with a God who absolutely wants you to see his glory.